Lord, thank you for your love and goodness. Lord, we just thank you for, Lord, what you do in our lives. Lord, you take us out of the world. You change our hearts. And, Lord, we can communicate your word to those uh, uh, who are just like we were. And so, Father, uh, we pray for wisdom tonight. We pray for every person here. Those who don't know you, you will speak to them, Lord, your grace and love and how you want to just change their lives, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good evening. Yeah, Bible, I want to speak to you out of uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going to look at verses 11 through 32. It's usually probably um, know this by the uh, title, The Parable of the Prodigal Son. It's really a, a bad title because um, there were two lost sons. And we usually think of a prodigal of someone who's saved, goes back in the world and comes back. But that's not what this parable teaches. Both of them were lost. Both were in the father's house. One left. The other came back saved. The one that never left remained lost. So it's a whole different message that sometimes we hear. But we want to look at the progression of the parable that Jesus gives you because the whole aspect of chapter 15, he's speaking about the joy that God has over the salvation and the repentance of a sinner. You know, from our perspective, we look at the gospel in church, and I don't know what your background is, but you might look and say, you know, I've, I've, I've messed my life up enough that now I need a change. So I've heard about church and Jesus, so I'll go check it out. Or you might think just coming to church is what's going to change you, or just hanging out with Christians. But as we look at the parable, it's, it's a personal relationship where you must come to certain conclusions. Those conclusions come by and through the gospel, through the work of the Holy Spirit and not our own understanding or because we have certain education or certain understanding. And yet it is God who does the work and yet we're the ones that permit that work to go on. Because God forces no one to go to heaven or to hell. It is a choice that every person makes. So if you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, I would pray that you pay close attention to what the Spirit would tell you as we read this text. Let me read here. Chapter 15, verse 11. <clears throat> he says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with the prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there rose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the paws that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's 
hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son, this my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed a fatted calf. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Notice there are two lost sons in the same house, one older, one younger. The portion that is given to the younger is a certain portion that is given in Deuteronomy. He was given one-third. The older would take two-thirds, the greater portion. As he left, he blew all his money, as is very evident by the parable. Not thinking of the difficult times ahead or that anything would ever go wrong. And yet he came to sheer poverty. He sells himself as a slave to feed pigs. Most likely he's a Jew. A total contradiction of his culture and everything. Being in the father's house, he has a certain level of respect, of comfort. He made that decision to move away from that, thinking he knew better. And that he could do better, most likely. 
But the better was for himself in terms of pleasure, not in terms of getting ahead. The departure didn't seem that bad at the beginning. But as he moved on in time and reality started to come into his life, he ended up with nothing. Now, material things are just material things. You can always get some more. If you crash your car, you can work again and get another one. Your house burns down, collect insurance and build another one. But when you waste your life, your youth, you don't get that back. It's gone forever. Looking backwards, we see things clearly. Looking forward, we see them the way we like them. One's a fantasy, other one's reality. Too many, when we are young, we live in fantasy, not reality. <laughs> in fact, the majority of America is encouraged to live in fantasy land. Everybody's living the dream on Facebook. <laughs> Everybody's a star. It's all about me. This is the culture of our nation. This is the heart of our sinfulness. We focus on ourselves. We focus on what we want. Here the younger chose what he thought was better. But notice that as he finds himself in this difficult situation, in that severe famine, he's even fighting for food that the pigs, and you know, they just give him scraps. And it's at this point where he reflects. And maybe you've been living in a way where you really have walked away from the things that you had in the past in many different ways have wasted them. And, and you've got to go one of two ways. You've got to reflect in the right way and say, what am I doing? Or continue in the same lifestyle and become blinder. One of two things will happen. But in verse 17 he says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish in hunger. He had been in the father's house. He, he knew the comfort. He knew the benefit. He knew he had thrown away all that was his in inheritance. He has absolutely nothing now. Now, he's not so concerned about the material things. But he's reflecting on the foolish decision he's made. And the jeopardy of life that he's put himself in. This reflection is by the grace of God. God has created you in his image, in his likeness. You're able to think. You're able to reason. And God uses that for his glory through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been told that God became man 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He just spoke it into being. That very same God became flesh, and we beheld his glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As the last Adam to take our place on the cross and to die for our sins. To show us the only way back to the Father. The way back to the Father here, though we have two that are mentioned, God and the Father on earth, was in acknowledgement of his sin, of his lost condition. Again, many times this parable is applied to young sons and daughters who have been raised in the church and they go back in the world. And then they say when they come back, they were prodigals. That's not what this is teaching. In verse 24, it says, For this my son was dead and is alive, lost and found. It's parallelism. He was never saved. He was lost in a comfortable home. <laughs> you see? He reflected on his condition and his sin against God, heaven, then against his father. As he headed back, the earthly father, the father who had given him physical life here, his heart goes out for him. He runs to him. Because that's his son, his flesh and blood. We as fathers will forgive our sons and daughters of many things, but we can't atone for their sin. I can forgive my son, I can forgive my daughter, but I can't wipe away that sin. That sin still has to be judged by God because God is holy. If that sin is not dealt with the right father, though you may have reconciliation here on earth and good relationships back again, you still got the biggest problem of your life. Your sin before God. Sin is missing the mark. It comes from an old English game that they'd shoot arrows through a hoop. And when you miss the hoop, they would call you a sinner. You've sinned. You've missed the mark. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of Mark. All of us. And so in his reflection, he recognizes his lost condition. Not that he's lost all his goods. And that his sin is primarily against God. If we don't realize that our sin is first against God, if we just see it with people and against people, then we've lost the perspective of the biblical picture of the reality of sin. And so, our confession must be in agreement to who I am. I'm a sinner. I'm not a sinner because of what I do. I do what I do because I'm a sinner. But notice, he came to himself. He reflected. 
He thought about what he knew. Apparently he knew about sin. The word of God. A God. He wasn't saved because God predestined him as one of the elect. (laughs) He chose to believe the word of God and be saved. He was not a robot. He had to think and make a decision. If you end up in heaven, it will be because you have made a decision about what the Bible says about you, that you're a sinner, an enemy of God. That whether whether in private or in public, all you can do is sin. But because you're creating the image of God, you have the capacity of choice, of conscience. And you can understand the word of God when it's preached because God uses his word to save people. We don't become saved because we're so smart and we can figure it out. We become saved because we believe God's word is truth about God, sin, and our lostness. God doesn't force me. I didn't believe because God forced me to believe. I believe because God gave me a choice to believe. If he forced me to be saved, then my love would not be valuable or genuine. If you force your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your wife, or your husband, you say, you better love me. And they proceed to say, I do love you, and it's out of fear. Would that turn you on? Would it be valuable? Absolutely not. But when someone loves you of their own free will, then it's valuable because you're the first to know you're not that lovable. And then when that person expresses their love, then you know it's valuable to your life. Because you don't deserve it. And the same thing with us. We love God because he first loved us. And we see the extent of his love as we see him hanging on the cross and dying in our place. Now he didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. Now God's not willing that any should perish. Yet God knows not, that not all will be born again. Not all will choose and that many will perish. So you get to heaven by choice or you reject heaven and you end up in hell by choice. Every person in hell tonight understands that they got there by their own choice, not by accident. Everyone in hell tonight is a true believer about repentance and salvation, but they don't get a second chance. Your repentance comes before you die, not afterwards. If you think young people don't die, you better turn on the news. (laughs) Tomorrow's promise to no one. And so the reflection on the reality of life, your position, where you're at, where you're coming from. You might be the other son that's lost. 
You're moral, you're ethical. You're in your father's house. You always seem to do what's pretty good. But you're still lost because you don't see your sinfulness before God. And you think you're better than your rotten brother. You can understand why God will send him to hell, but you? You're waiting to be made number two in heaven. Because we have a false concept of ourselves. The father rejoiced because his son was dead. These three parables are about the joy of God over one sinner or any sinner. The publican, the lost coin. Now the two sons. But notice the attitude of the brother. In 25, he was in the field. He came in, he drew near, and he heard the music, the dancing. And... um, He's told that, um, you know, his father has received this wayward son. He's killed a fatted calf. He's put a ring, a robe, sandals, the mark of a free man, not a slave on him. And he's kind of put out of the way. His father knows nothing about this at this point. He goes out to speak to his son in 29. And he starts communicating to his dad all the years he's served him. Never transgress. Been good, moral, ethical. And yet, this son of yours came. You can, you can discern the bitterness, the anger in his heart. He believes he deserves this. Listen to me very carefully. You deserve hell, and so do I. If we want to talk about what we deserve, let's not go there. You see, this is an expression of the grace of God. Both sons were lost. Both needed to repent. One recognizes need of God. The other one didn't see any need of God at all at this point. He ends the story with the question, is it it was right that we should make merry and be glad? For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. There's the joy. You can do nothing about your past, but you can do something about your present by the grace of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, the word of God. Not nifty little stories. Not easy believism, but that you agree that you are a sinner under the wrath of God. And that he's a holy God who died in your place. Who rose from the dead. After making a real payment to the Father and ascended to the Father and sits at the right hand to make intercession for us. And he allows now the preaching of the gospel to all who will believe. And as people hear the gospel, some will reject, others will accept through repentance. 
The difference will be where you spend eternity. With God or separated from God. It's a choice. No one will ever be able to blame God. If God did not die for everybody, and if everybody doesn't have a choice on where they're going to spend eternity, then ultimately God has to be at fault. If he only chose a handful of us, while having the capacity and ability to save all, and then rejecting the majority of, of human race, how is God going to judge those that he predestined to hell, as some people say? Let's take Judas Iscariot. White throne judgment. God brings Judas Iscariot up and he says, Hey, why did you betray my son? The father says. Now, Judas Iscariot has one of two answers, only two. One, I chose to do it. Or, you predestined me to do it. Now, if God predestined for Judas to betray his son, then God is ultimately responsible for the sin of Judas Iscariot. That means God can't be holy. He can't be good. Every person is responsible for everything they choose to do. Nobody forces you to sin, especially God. Therefore, for God to be just and holy and good, he must give every person ever born to this world at least one opportunity to repent. This could be your first or this could be your last. How, when, where will he give every person is none of my business. He's God. That's his problem. He can handle it. But this is your choice. This is your opportunity. Maybe you'll have another one. I don't know. Maybe you won't. But the choice is ultimately yours. You will leave here as the younger, forgiven of your sin, with eternal life, or you will leave as the older, lost, while in the Father's house. But the choice is ultimately yours. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ, we pray you open your heart. He loves you. He died for you. There's no other way you can be forgiven for your sins. He signed it in blood. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way for you to be right. We pray your heart would be open to him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace, your love. We pray for every person here. Lord, your hand be upon them. Lord, um, by your grace, as you reveal to many of us our sinfulness and our lostness, we pray for those that will be here, Lord. And you would speak to their hearts as they would see their need of you to be forgiven, to call on your name. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ,
as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to be saved. Again, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The gospel means good news. The good news is that God paid the price and that now there's a way back to God. God was silent for 400 years, last prophet Malachi. And God began to speak. It was this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand through John the Baptist, crying in the wilderness. Ever since that day, that's the proclamation, repentance through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to repent of your sins, recognizing you're a sinner under God's wrath, then right now I'm going to say this prayer. I don't ask you to get up. I don't ask you to do an altar call. It's not that I don't believe in them. I just, if you, mean, if you aren't playing games, you're going to be changed right there, transformed. If you're playing games, you're going to walk out the same way you came in. Walking up doesn't make you saved. <laughs> The problem is your heart. It's deceitful, desperately wicked. God wants to give you a heart transplant. The problem is not your brains. You're really not that smart. It's our heart that's the problem. And so if you want to be born again right now, you can ask him to forgive you and give you that new heart that God can deal with your heart and transform you from day to day. This is your prayer to Jesus Christ, not to us. And he will forgive you and save you and give you eternal life right where you sit. You can repeat after me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.